Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. Those of you here in person, good to be with you. Those of you joining us online, thank you for being with us today. Are you ready for the word this morning? Uh, real quick, before we do, want to uh, to just from the staff, from from my wife, myself, to you guys, just want to say thank you. This is this is the last Sunday of Pastors Appreciation Month, and many of you have come in and you've you've brought gifts and you've sent cards and and you've you've. Uh, express your appreciation and your love in, in so many different ways, and we just want to say thank you for that. Um, if, if you still want to, to participate and, and be a blessing to the pastors here, uh, if you want to you make a financial contribution to that, you want to give online, just select the love offering uh, option, and, uh, and we'll make sure that the, the team gets that. But again, just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for your generosity uh, and your love in that way. Uh, John chapter 8 this morning is where we're going to be in the text. Like Pastor Doby said, we've been reading through the Bible together chronologically, and we're about uh, almost halfway through, uh, through the, the Gospels, through Jesus's ministry. We've still got about two and a half weeks uh, of reading in the Gospels, but, uh, but we've been reading this week, and predominantly in, in John and in Luke, and, and again, remember in John's Gospel, the focus is on the deity of Jesus, and so he speaks uh, of Jesus's, not just his humanity, Luke focuses on his humanity, John focuses on his deity, his divine nature, and the conversations this week in our reading throughout the Gospel of John have, have really been around who Jesus is, who are you, are you the Messiah, are you not the Messiah, and people are coming to Jesus at one point and they say, why don't you just tell us already? Just tell us who you are. Are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you not? Should we be looking for somebody else? And so uh, that's kind of the, the backdrop is Jesus is going and he's performing miracles and he's, he's teaching in the temple. He's teaching on the country. Um, people are coming to see him. And in uh, John chapter 8 is where we're going to be in our text today, last week I, I told you, and I kind of tried to help you out a little bit. Some of you will remember if you were here, I said that laughing prepares you to learn. How many of you guys remember that from last week? That, that when we laugh, it, it gets our brain in this position and starts firing and, and opens us up to, to learning. And so I told you a joke last week to help you in this learning process, to hopefully help you retain something from last week. How many of you guys remember the joke from last week? Okay, uh, some of you do. Uh, what is the DJ's favorite sauce? For those of you that weren't here, DJ's favorite sauce, of course, is what, everybody? Yes, very good. Uh, how many of you guys remember the, the message from last week? Okay, so it's just like, I'm just, I'm just informal poll in, in study. Did the joke help us remember the message? And if you remember, more of you remember the joke than remember the message, then I don't know if that's really working the way that it's supposed to, but I'll, I'll, we'll continue the study for a few more weeks and see what happens. Um, I know I, I'm, I'm not... You know, my, my kids are always telling me how old I am. In fact, last night at dinner, we were having a conversation. I was trying to convince my teenage sons that I'm in my prime. 
I'm in the prime of life, man. Like I'm feeling good and, and I know some of you can't see it. Maybe the lights are shining a little bright today, but there's a lot of grays coming in on the sides here. And uh, I, I'm not quite like, I'm still climbing that hill. Come on. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. I got a long way to go. That hill's way up there still. And uh, to my teenage kids, though, I'm like the old guy. And of course, I remember, I remember when my dad was my age thinking that he was super old. And now that I am the age that my dad was when I thought he was old, my dad was just a kid. <laughs> and in a couple days, dad's turning 61. And when I'm there, I'll still think like, man, when dad was 61, I thought he was old, but he was just a kid. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in my prime, but I'm a dad. And so I, you know, 38 years old. I know I'm not the oldest, but like my teenagers make me feel old. So I'm just going to embrace this whole dad life and, and the dad jokes and, you know, all of that stuff. So I'm going I'm to give you another one today, kind of help you learn, help you prepare yourself to get into the word today. Uh, here's the, the, the question today. What days, what days, days of the week, what days are the strongest days? What days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday, because the rest are weekdays. There you go. Now, are you ready for the word? Okay. Now, listen, next week when I come back and I, I ask you again, how many of you remember the joke? And you're like, yeah, it was a weak joke. <laughs> And then I say, how many of you remember the message? If there are, are more of you that can tell me the joke and not tell me one thing you remember from the message, then the dad jokes are just going to end. I'm going to draw the line somewhere. But if you, if you can retain something and, and leave here with something, praying that, that the Holy Spirit can do that uh, in your heart and your life today. Amen? Amen. So John chapter 8, Jesus is, is in the middle of his ministry and the people love him. People love him for, for obvious reasons, right? He sees them in the Bible. Every time he sees the crowd, it tells us that he has compassion on them. And so he'll stop and he'll feed them when they're hungry and he'll minister, he'll, he'll heal the sick and he'll cast out demons. He does all of these miracles. The blind are seeing and the, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing. These reports are traveling around the country of this man named Jesus who's performing this, these miracles. And, and could this be the one that we've been waiting for? So the people love him. The, the pastors the religious leaders, the teachers despise him. They can't stand him. And it's not just a matter of Jesus calling them things like, you know, a den of snakes. It's not just that Jesus is telling them that they're like tombstones who are, are white on the outside and clean and washed, but then they contain dead things on the inside. It's not just he, because Jesus is calling out their hypocrisy, but the Gospels tell us that, that Jesus knew why they had him arrested, and really it was because of envy. The Gospels tell us that, that Jesus knew that it was because of their envy that they had him arrested. It was, it was jealousy. Because they had, before Jesus, they had control of the, the market on, on teaching people and having people's attention. People were looking to them. 
to set the tone and to, to set the standard, to provide the example. They were the ones in people's eyes that they esteemed and they admired and they respected. And now here's this, this new man named Jesus, this new teacher who's coming and he's teaching in a radical way and with authority like we've never heard before. And what is, what is going on? And the, the attention of the people goes from the, the Pharisees and the priests and the teachers onto Jesus and they're like, we can't have that. So this jealousy and this envy in their heart caused them to despise Jesus and begin to plot and, and ask the question, how can we have him arrested? Because we can't, just, we can't just go in and arrest him because of how much everybody loves him. So because everybody loves him, we have to trap him. We've got to catch him. We've got to do something. And so they begin to, to plot and they begin to scheme. And in today's text, we see one of those, one of those plots. It's not the only one. It's not the only time he would be asked a question. It's not the only time that they would set a trap for him. It's not the only time. But, but again, Jesus in this, in this setting and in this situation so brilliantly turns it back on them. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse number 11. And here's what the Bible says. It says that Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. So in the previous chapter, he's, he's teaching. There's people around him. He's in the temple. He's in Jerusalem, in the city. He's teaching, and in verse 1 of chapter 8 tells us that he returns, so he leaves the city. He goes out to the Mount of Olives, which is just outside of Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. Somebody say, early the next morning. That sounds like the 9 o'clock service to me. Jesus got up and he went to the nine o'clock service. And not only did Jesus go to the nine o'clock service, Jesus was there when worship started at the nine o'clock service. Somebody say, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Early the next morning, he was back at the temple. And as he was, a, a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. Now, now in, the, in the previous chapter, they weren't calling Jesus teacher. In the previous chapter, they were calling Jesus things like imposter, deceiver, you're not, a, you're not a real teacher. Who do you think you are? Now that they have this plan and they have this trap and they've got ulterior motives, they come and they try to appeal to Jesus's pride because that's what's most important to them. So they think if people can get to us this way, maybe we can get to teacher. Jesus is like, oh, now you want to call me teacher. Be careful of the people who butter up to you and cozy up to you when they want something from you. That's free. That's not part of the message, but that's just, just deposit that for you today. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. He wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again. And he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again, and he wrote in the dust twice. 
Not just one time, but two times, two times. Come on, Wyclef. Two times he wrote in the dust. This is the only time in all of the Gospels that we are told that Jesus wrote anything. And yet we are not told what Jesus wrote. There are books that have been written. There are podcasts that have been recorded. There are theories that have been theorized. And there are, are theologians that have sat down and, and sought to determine what is it that Jesus wrote. And there's a lot of ideas. There's, there's ideas that Jesus could have been writing scriptures. There's, there's ideas that Jesus could have, have just been doodling. Jesus, the, the most popular idea is that Jesus bent down and as he's writing in the, the dust, he's writing the names of the men who have brought this woman to him. And, and next to their names, maybe Jesus is writing their sin. Tony. Adultery. Joshua. Cheated on his taxes. Samuel, whatever the, whatever the case may be, whatever those sins are, that Jesus sat down and Jace, Cowboys fan. Nathan, Nathan, Yankees fan. Maybe Jesus wrote names and wrote sins next to them. We don't really know, and that's really not what's important in this text and in the story. But Jesus bends down and he, he writes twice in the dust. And verse number nine says that, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with who? The oldest. the oldest, the wisest, the smartest, walked away until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. So Jesus responds, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Pray that over the next few moments, Lord, you would open our eyes, open our hearts. Lord, we, we set this time apart and aside for you. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather together freely in your name and in your presence. And as we gather in your name and as we call upon you, Lord, we thank you that you are here in our midst. And so, Lord, the, I, I pray that no matter how we come in today or where we find ourselves watching online today, Lord, whatever, whatever sin there is in us, whatever pride there is in us, Lord, whether we come to you today as, as happened that day, early in the morning at the temple, whether we come to you as the woman did in the midst of our shame and in the midst of our sin, or we come to you as the Pharisees did with arrogance and with pride in our hearts. Lord, no matter how we come into your presence today, I pray that we would leave this place transformed by the power of your word that you would do a work in each and every one of our hearts and each and every one of our lives, that we would not leave the same way we were when we came in. But Lord, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Jesus is teaching and he's at church early in the morning. Now, I want you to get that, that picture because it would be the equivalent today of somebody bursting through the back doors even right now as services started and you're all gathered and there's teaching being done, the back door is open and, and a group of men bring 
this woman who's been caught, the Bible says, in the act of adultery. Now, I don't need to be too descriptive in that sense to let you understand the physical state that this woman was in, the shame that she would have been feeling, and the arrogance and the pride in these men as they dragged her, not just to the feet of Jesus, but to the feet of everyone in that crowd throw her on the ground and say, Jesus, the the law of Moses says that we are to stone this woman. Never mind where the man is, because it's not just the woman who should have been stoned, but the man should have been stoned as well. They both should have been put to death. But where was the man? I bet you more than anything, and this isn't in the text, but I, I believe this, and I think one day we'll find out when we get to heaven. And I asked Jesus, and he's like, yeah, you were probably right, but I think the reason why the man wasn't there is because when these men went to find this woman who they knew was going to be in the middle of this adulterous act, more than likely, when they pulled back the covers, it was one of their friends. It was a Pharisee. It was a teacher. It was somebody who taught the law. And as they, they followed this woman, knowing probably her her lifestyle and the way that she lived. And it's a festival, so there's people from out of town that are, that are in town during this time. And, and we, if we just follow her, then we can find her. And if we find her, then we can trap her. And if we trap her, then we can trap Jesus. And as they burst into that room, they probably saw one of their friends. And so they're like, you're an idiot, but stay here. So they bring this woman before Jesus and the, the, the law is commanding us to stone her, but what, what do you say? Jesus, what do you say? They come in with stones in their hands, stones in their pockets. The law says we are to stone her, but Jesus, what do you say? This morning as we look at this text, I want us to look first at the Pharisees. I want us to learn from the Pharisees today. Then I want us to look at Jesus because all of Scripture is revealing him. So what do we learn about the heart and the character of God today? And then what do we do with it? That's going to be kind of what we're going to discuss this morning. But as we look at the Pharisees, what do we, what do we learn from the Pharisees? What can we take from the Pharisees? And as I, I think about the Pharisees, here's what I would say to you today. Don't be so quick to throw stones. Because they came in ready to stone this woman. They came in with, with stones in their pockets saying, Jesus, here's what the law says, but what do you say? Now understand that when they, when they pose this question, it's not just a question of whether or not Jesus would uphold the law. What's the trap in that? There's no trap there. How are they trying to entrap Jesus? Because you have to understand that at this time, they're living under Roman subjugation. They're subjects to Rome. And what Rome would do is when they would go in and they would conquer these different territories in these nations, they would allow them some semblance of independence. They'd say, okay, you can, you can still worship your gods and you can still have your courts and you can still do you know, the, the things that you're used to doing, but it has to come under our authority. But the Roman government said that, that, that you can't 
exercise the death penalty on your own. You can't put people to death. Only we can put people to death. That's why Jesus wasn't stoned, but hung on a cross. Because the Jews couldn't put people to death under Roman law. Under, only the Romans could do that. And so when they brought this woman to Jesus in adultery, knowing that the law of Moses commanded she be put to death. So if Jesus says, yes, put her to death, I'm going to uphold the law. Then they could go to Rome and say, hey, there's this, this zealot out here who's just putting people to death outside of your authority. And he would have been arrested under Rome. But if he says, no, don't put her to death, then they could stand up and say, hey, all of Israel, you've heard from his own lips. He's supposed to be this teacher. And yet he goes against the the law of Moses. So that's the catch 22 that they're trying to put Jesus in. So they come with stones in their pockets and stones in their hands, ready to stone this woman saying, Jesus, what say you? What do you think? Well, well what should we do, Jesus? Should we stone her? Jesus, what she did was wrong. Should we stone her? Jesus, this act of unrighteousness demands justice. Jesus, should we stone her? There's a lot of people throwing rocks today because they perceive and they sense and they see because it's not just perception, it's not just discernment, but it's, it's out in the open today that there is unrighteousness happening around us. And too often our response to unrighteousness around us is, Jesus, can I stone them? <laughs> Jesus, can I throw a rock at him? Jesus is wrong. Should I do something? And at the same time, there are people who are, who are demanding justice be done. And saying, Jesus, this is, this is, can I, can I throw a rock? Can I do something? Jesus is unrighteous. Jesus is demands justice. And Jesus says, okay, and you're right. But both of those have to start with me. And if your, if, if, if your attempt to call out unrighteousness doesn't look like Jesus, but it looks like you throwing stones, and if your attempt to to find justice doesn't look like Jesus, but it looks like you throwing stones. You need to reevaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it. Not just in terms of unrighteousness and not just in terms of justice, but in terms of other people's sin. Like how quick are we to, how quick are we to judge others? And Matthew chapter seven, it's a verse that the world likes to quote. Because the world would tell us that we're not supposed to judge. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Don't judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Let's, before we move on, let's just. We often will quote this in the context of, you know, recognizing sin, seeing sin, calling it what it is and saying it's wrong. Well, you're not supposed to judge because the Bible says don't judge. It's not what the Bible says. 
and the totality of the context of scriptures. You can read the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians that we are to judge. We are to judge within the church. We are, we are to judge a tree by its fruit time and time again. We are told to judge. Paul says we will one day judge the angels. And so how much more should we judge in this life is what the scripture says. So there is, there is a, an amount of judgment that must be done because judgment is right versus wrong. We are not to judge motives, but we are to judge the fruit, the action, what's being done. But when this verse comes up, Matthew chapter 7, it says, don't judge lest you be judged. This word judge, I don't want to say it's a mistranslation, but it's not the best translation. Because this word judge in the original language could mean to judge or it could mean to condemn. Those are the two meanings. And they're very close, but they're different. Because to judge means to render a verdict. To condemn means to be not just the judge, but now I'm the jury and the executioner. So what this verse really is saying is don't condemn. That's a, that would be the better translation. Don't condemn lest you be condemned. But the world likes to say, you can't judge us. You're not supposed to judge us. Other Christians would say, you're not supposed to judge us. No, we are. We're just supposed to judge you rightly. And the problem is when we as the church don't judge rightly, that's a whole nother message. When we want to judge others without using the same measure of judgment, when we look in the mirror, that's the problem. But I was not saying don't judge. It's saying you make sure you judge yourself first. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brothers? I pay no attention to the plank in your own. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. What does it say? First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to what? Remove the speck. It doesn't say forget about the speck. It doesn't say ignore the speck. It doesn't say don't pay attention to the speck. It doesn't say don't judge the speck. Says, no, there's a speck in his eye that needs to be removed, and you need to help him do that. But make sure you take the two by four out of your own eye first. Before you start trying to go throw sins, throw stones at other people for their sins, why don't you examine your own heart first? Examine your life first. Because you very easily could be in the same exact position as that woman was that morning, caught in adultery, brought before Jesus, naked in her shame and in her sin. You want to throw stones? You want to put her to death? Jesus like, okay. They're like, what's he writing? He's like, he just wrote your name. <laughs> Why did he write my name? I don't know, but he just wrote your girlfriend's name next to it. <laughs> they had this trap laid for Jesus and for this woman. The, the Pharisees came and they accused her 
They accuse her and set a trap for Jesus. And yet when Jesus responds and says, let him without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they Homer Simpson back into the bushes. They left accused themselves and caught in their own trap. That him without sin, why? Because they knew if I throw this stone, (laughs) I know that's a lie. And they know that's a lie. And now today, not only will there be one who stands accused, but I will have to stand next to her. Picked up the stone, let him without sin throw the first stone. And in in that moment, the the 10 commandments began to play through their their minds. Shall have no other gods before me. Shall keep the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. And I don't know which one they got to when they dropped their stones. Don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't envy. At what point did they, but... But one by one by one, they dropped their stones and they walked away. In this life, it's so easy to pick up stones and just lob them when everyone else is doing it. I'm sure there were people holding stones that day that didn't even know what was going on. Like, what? Yeah, let's go. Well, give me a stone. I'll throw it. I'll do it. So easy to judge other people's sin. Start throwing stones. How dare they? Who do they think they are? Look at how wrong this is. Don't be so quick to throw stones. Why? Because we're all guilty. They continue to demand an answer from Jesus. They set this trap for him. Now, a couple things that I want us to, to learn from Jesus today. The first one about Jesus is this, that, that Jesus doesn't compromise. Jesus doesn't compromise. They said, which is it going to be? Are you going to stone her and uphold the law? Are you going to let her go and, and turn from the law? And Jesus, <laughs> he says, you clever devils. You think you know what you're doing. And he, he turns it back on them, let him without sin cast the first stone. And a lot of times, you know, we can, we can read this as if Jesus didn't pick a side. Jesus very clearly picked a side. Was it going to be the law or is it going to be grace? And Jesus said, yes. Well, which one is it? Yes, because I am the fulfillment of the law and came to establish a new covenant of grace. Well, the law says, what say you? Okay, stone her. That was Jesus' answer. Stone her. She deserves to be stoned. Their, their, their justice is, is demanded for this. Stone her. But whoever has no sin is the one to throw the first stone. He didn't compromise the law. He didn't compromise grace. But the entire time he was true to his character. And at the end of this exchange, what does Jesus say to the woman? He says, where are your accusers? Does no one condemn you? No, Lord, not one. Jesus says, well, then neither do I condemn you. Go and 
go and sin no more. That was the expectation that Jesus gave her. It's not that Jesus just forgave her and let her go her way. It's not that Jesus was like, yeah, you know what? Mm, they made a bigger deal out of it than it was. I think they were being a little harsh. I don't think you really deserved all of that. So I'm just going to forgive you and you go your way. It's okay. Jesus loves you. <laughs> he said, I don't condemn you. You deserve to die. But because I'm just months away from taking your place in that, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Yeah. There's this, and, it's, it's, and I understand why, this teaching, this idea, this thought, and it's cool to say, and it's fun, it makes a nice t-shirt. Jesus, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus, why are you at the bar? That's where Jesus would have been. Why you, why you do it? That's what Jesus would have done. We wear bracelets, you know, WWJD, and we, we read the text and we, we, we read scriptures like Jesus was a friend of sinners, which he was. But in Hebrews, it says that Jesus was separate from sinners. Well, how can you be a friend and separate at the same time? Because you don't condemn, but you also don't compromise. He said, yeah, you sinned and you deserve to die but I'm not here to condemn you. So I forgive you, but the expectation now is going sin no more. Yeah. And there's this misnomer and this misunderstanding that Jesus, like Jesus hung out with sinners. I would say no. I would say sinners hung out with Jesus. Luke chapter 15. Go and read Luke chapter 15. It's, one, it's my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. It tells the story of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Jesus, this is why I'm here. This is my heart. At the beginning of that chapter, it says that regularly sinners, tax collectors, the like, would come and, and choose to, to come and hear Jesus teach. So when Jesus went from town to town, he attracted these people he didn't go to find them out. They came to find him out. And in your life, you should not be on a mission to look like the world because I want to be relevant so I can reach the world. No, you should be on a mission to look like Jesus because when you look like Jesus, the world then is attracted to you. Jesus didn't compromise. He didn't, he didn't try and be relevant. And yet he was the most relevant that ever lived. Too many churches compromising. Aren't going to call sin, sin. Aren't going to say what it is. Aren't going to say what's going on. Aren't going to, like, and I'm not, listen. <laughs> I'm not talking Politically. Because in your mind, some of you are sitting there right now like, yeah, that's right. Tell them to vote this way. I'm, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity offender. And I will call out sins on all sides of the aisle. It's not about one or the other. 
It's about us using the standard of God's word, not the standard of our political party or the talking points or the platforms of our political party, but the standard of God's word that says righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. There's not one without the other. And so if I'm fighting for righteousness, I better darn sure make sure that I'm fighting for justice with as much passion and vigor. And if I'm crying for justice, I need to make sure that I'm standing on righteousness and calling it out when I see it around every corner. Because it's not about compromising for my political party or compromising for my own beliefs or compromising because of this is my preference or compromising because my friends are telling me this and I don't want to lose friendships or compromising in any other way. But in the love of God, standing up and saying, listen, it's wrong. but I love you, go and sin no more. That's what Jesus said. He didn't compromise. And at the same time, he didn't condemn. How? How? Like, it's got to be one or the other. And that's where we are today. In our weakness and in our humanity, we tend to choose one of the two. We will either condemn people for their sin or we will compromise and tell them it's okay. Jesus didn't do either. Women, where where are your accusers? Do none of them condemn you? She says, no, Lord, not, not one. Why? Because he's not condemning. John chapter three, verse 16, and we all know the verse. We could probably all quote the verse. God so loved the world. What did he do? He sent his son that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the greatest thing. Tim Tebow, under his eyes, we all saw it. John 3, 16. But do you know what the next verse says? Then we know what the next verse says. Oh, it's on the screen. They already put it up. So you should know what it says. See, I don't have eyes back here like my wife does. I couldn't see that they put... God did not send his son in the world to what? Condemn the world, but to save the world. He said, I'm not here to condemn. Neither do I condemn you. And in fact, John 3, that's 317. Does anybody know what John 318 says? We were already condemned. We've been condemned from the beginning. We don't stand a chance. And yet, because we're condemned, God sent his son not to condemn us. Why? Because we're already condemned. Condemned people don't need to be condemned again. They need to be saved, which is why he came to do. And that's because of the love of the father. And if you read those verses that way, but then sometimes just read it in reverse. We were condemned. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. I don't condemn you. So quick we are to to condemn people. And here's the thing, Jesus' response, and it was a beautiful response, and it's beautiful because it turned the trap back on them, but it's beautiful because it shows us his heart for us. They said, what say you, Jesus? The law deserves, demands justice, and justice is death, and she should be stoned. But, but what say you, teacher? Teacher? Is that what you're calling yourself these days? Teacher, what do you say? Jesus says, all right, stoner. 
That's what I thought. But let him without sin throw the first stone. Paul says one by one they drop their stones. And here's the beauty of that response. Let him without sin throw the first stone. Who was qualified to throw a stone that day? Jesus. Let him without sin throw the first, the only one who would have been justified that day. And picking up a rock and throwing it in the face of this woman was Jesus. And he would have been completely justified in doing so. And after he threw a stone in the woman's face, you know what he could have done? He could have picked up another stone and threw it in the lead Pharisee's face. And then he could have grabbed another stone. And he could have one by one started stoning these people for there's the only one who was justified. And when he finished with them, he, he could have picked up a stone and threw it in my face. Because the only one who has ever lived with no sin was Jesus. The only one who was justified to condemn me for my sin was Jesus. And yet, rather than choosing to do that, what does he say? I don't condemn you, but instead, I give my life as a ransom. And the price that you owe, I will willingly pay. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus justifiably could have chosen to exercise justice in this moment, and yet he doesn't. Again, if your justice doesn't look like Jesus, it's just vengeance. It's just revenge. If, if your righteousness doesn't look like Jesus, it's just pride. Could have condemned this woman, but chose not to. Because Jesus doesn't compromise, but Jesus also doesn't condemn. Why doesn't Jesus condemn? Because when people sin, it doesn't shock Jesus. Because that's what sinners do. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. Each and every one of us, born into sin with a sinful nature, needing somebody to come and save us from ourselves. And Jesus did. Rather than throwing stones at you, he came and he shed his blood for you. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's why when we get together and we worship, it's not about us. It's not about how it makes us feel. And it's not about whether it was this or that or the songs that I like or not my style of music because it's not for us. 
That's why when we gather and we worship and we close our eyes and we sing about his goodness and we sing about his faithfulness and his majesty, we have no choice but to just fall down in his presence because God, you should have thrown a stone at me, but you chose not to. So what do we do today? What do we do with this? How do, I, how do I take this? What am I supposed to do? Here's my, here's my challenge. Don't respond like the Pharisees. Because they come to Jesus with this woman. Jesus, what say? You throw the first stone. Whoever's without sin. Jesus is doodling in the dirt. Not sure what he's writing. But whether it's because he's writing or just the Holy Spirit in that moment is, is bringing conviction in their hearts. It says it starts with the oldest and one by one they start to turn and walk away. Now, why are they walking away? Anybody, why are they walking away? Because of the sin in their hearts. Why aren't they engaged in stoning this woman? Because of the sin in their lives. So here they are with sin in their hearts, with sin in their lives. The Holy Spirit is revealing this to them in that moment, or Jesus is just playing up revealing it to everybody in the dirt. And the one person, the one person who could do something for them is standing right there. And rather than falling at the feet of Jesus next to this woman, which is where they should have gone. Lord, she was caught in her sin. But Lord, today so am I. And rather than running to the one place that they could have found relief and they could have found forgiveness and they could have found what they needed, one by one, they chose to just turn and walk away. My challenge to you today is don't walk away. Don't walk away. Too many times we find ourselves before Jesus. And too many times the Holy Spirit reveals our sin in our hearts. And rather than in humility running into the arms of grace, where Jesus, rather than picking up stones, says, I don't condemn you. Jesus isn't just waiting for you to mess up. He's waiting for you to run to him. And rather than running and falling at his feet, we, like the Pharisees, oh, allow pride to well up inside of us. Say, so if I go down there and if I, if I kneel next to that woman, then I'm admitting I'm just as bad as she is. <laughs> you are, you're worse. We come into church and, and week after week, we experience and we encounter Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit revealed, rather than running and falling at his, as, at his feet and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I've messed up. He said, I know. I know you are. But that's why I came. It's for you and for you and for me. The Bible says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Another translation says that he has is, he is, is declared us not guilty. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, right? Because it's like, okay, God, yeah, woohoo, you say I'm not guilty. But we really know I'm guilty. And God's like, no, you're not. Yeah, like we know how guilty I am. And God's like, no, because I've said you're not guilty. Yeah, and that's cute. And that's in the scripture. And that, 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 like, I, you know, I like that idea. But I'm guilty. This morning, you need to understand this, that when God says you're not guilty, God can't lie. So you can't be guilty and have God say you're not guilty. Because when God rendered you not guilty, it's because he rendered his son guilty. And when Jesus took your guilt and he who knew no sin became sin, he took our guilt, he paid the price so that we through his finished work can be rendered and judged not guilty. This morning, I don't know where you're at and I don't know what you're dealing with and I don't know what's going on in your heart and I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But what I do know is that Jesus is here. And what I do know is <laughs> this is a room full of messed up people. It's not just because I follow most of you on Facebook. It's not because your spouse has been emailing me and Pastor Angel. It's because we're messed up people. Because all of us without Jesus are just hopeless. And this morning you can respond in one of two ways. You can respond as that woman did. Where are your accusers? Or, or do none of them condemn you? None, Lord. What did she call Jesus? Lord, master, owner. You are the one that has possession of my life. We can call out to Jesus as Lord. And we can repent and we can go and we can sin no more. Or we can allow our hearts to be hardened like the Pharisees and just Homer, R. Simpson, Homer Simpson our ways back into our car after service, back into our sin and back into our mess. Or we can fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. This morning, if you would just stand with me. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for you. 
And I'm going to ask Louise, Louise, if you would just stay up here and just continue to play on the keys. I know it's 1030 and I know I've, some of you need, got kids you got to get and I, I recognize that. But I'm going to pray. And after I pray, Luis is going to stay up here and he's just going to continue to play. And after I pray, if you need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. But listen, like if, if, you, if you turn and walk out that door, I'm trusting that you're right with God, that you and, you and, you and God are like this, that you've repented, that you've been washed, you've been cleansed. And when Jesus looks at you and says, not guilty, you're walking in the freedom from, that comes from knowing you're not guilty. And you're not just walking out like a Pharisee in your pride. I hope you don't. But this morning, if there's something in your heart that you know you need to just come and run to Jesus' feet, I'm just gonna pray. I'm gonna dismiss. If you choose to leave, you can leave. Like no one's gonna be judging you. No one's gonna be throwing stones at you on your way out. But if you need to encounter Jesus and you need to spend time with him today, I'm just going to leave these altars open and we're just going to continue to play. We're going to turn the lights down and just allow you time with him. Okay? Is that all right? We're going to do that. And if you're still here when the next service comes, then they're just going to know that it was a really good service and that they better watch out because the Holy Spirit is coming for them today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that you didn't come to condemn, but you came that we would be saved through you. Lord, I thank you that you don't compromise because if you would have compromised, it would have minimized and then the sacrifice wouldn't have. There is no compromise, but yet there is no condemnation. And it's like, as humans today, we can't understand that. And yet in your human nature and in your divine nature, you stood in this gap and you were so in tune with the Father that, that you were able to stand there with this lose-lose situation and turn it around on those who were so self-righteous. Lord, forgive us for those moments in our lives where we've been those self-righteous Pharisees. And in our pride, we've allowed that to well up and condemned the sin of others and thrown rocks and stones at those around us when we should have been kneeling next to them. Lord, today we love you and we need you. Holy Spirit, if there's anything in us, I pray that you would reveal it to us. Today, God, we choose to stay at the feet of Jesus rather than turning and going our way. Lord, would you change us? Would you transform us? Would you challenge us today? But then, God, after having encountered you, would you wash us and would you cleanse us and would you make us brand new? Lord, as we take off that old nature and put on this new nature, would you, would you cause our spirit to come alive? that we would no longer be a slave to sin, but that we would walk in newness of life. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.
Amen. Again, listen, this morning, if you need to be dismissed, feel free. Do so quietly and respectfully. If you want to come and just spend some time at the altar, would encourage you, don't leave and miss this moment. Love you, church. Be blessed today. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.